0: Hi, I'm Eric Gurna, Executive Director of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. I have- So uh, I'm here in Salt Spring Island, British Columbia, with uh, internationally renowned children's troubadour, worldwide activist, beloved by generations of children and their parents and families, um, none other than Rafi. So welcome, Rafi. Hello. <laughs> I'm super excited to be here. Just had quite an adventure getting here involving a ferry boat, and I'll be on a little sky, what do you call it? Not a sky oh, plane. Float plane. A float plane.
1: Yeah. So you came to
0: this little island. Yes, I did. That's cool. And uh, have you been on the island long?
1: I've lived on Salt Spring Island for four years. Okay. And it's really grown on me. It's just a beautiful place to be.
0: It seems to be. Yeah. Mm. And we're sitting here in your office at the organization that you founded, the Center for Child Honoring. And... uh, Although I'm, I'm dying to ask you about, you know, the, the gold record of Baby Blue Guy, See on the Wall and, <laughs> and all of your other uh, musical, uh, musical accomplishments. Um, I really wanted to start off by, by asking you, what's, what is child honoring? What's the vision of the Center for Child Honoring?
1: Well, you might see on the wall there, there's a great big picture of a heart. I like mm-hmm. to say this office has heart. And that's what the work really is, is all about seeing how it feels to be human for the young of the human family that come into our lives, mm-hmm. how do we support their goals uh, that that they might dream of by supporting the whole person? So, child honoring is about making a peaceful and sustainable society in the very best way possible, which is by addressing the real, universal needs of the very young in their formative years. Mm-hmm. And the word "formative," Eric, is interesting because. What is forming in those early years? It's nothing less than sense of self, sense of the world around us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we as a society understand the importance of the years before a child enters school. You know, you hear education is the making of a person. Mm -hmm. But we don't really pay enough attention to, we don't understand fully as a society um, what is known about those early years, and that is that your first impressions of life have lifelong consequences in health, Mm -hmm. productivity, uh, and so on. So Mm -hmm. uh, child honoring is a vision that came to me in 1997, woke me from a sound sleep, and I knew it was the work of the rest of my life. And the vision is quite simple. It's a holistic, integrated vision that connects uh, our planetary home, the Earth, with our personal lives, and that's why we say it's a vision about respecting Earth and child, mm-hmm. and the child as the universal human, as the same biological creature uh, in early years, and regardless of race, ethnicity, uh, color of skin, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. This universal human is the uh, holds the salvation for our species, and it's the work of the Center for Child Honoring to advance child honoring as a universal ethic worldwide so that we can uh, tap the full potential of our species, which we have not done yet. Mm.
0: I read your uh, biography recently. Oh. And, um, <laughs> My autobiography? Uh, your autobiography, I'm sorry. Oh, saying. okay. Is there a biography as well? No. Um, unauthorized biography. <laughs> no. Um, I read your autobiography recently, and uh-huh. one of the things that really struck me uh, really connects with what you were just saying about the vision, and that is the notion that um, children are whole people, not just people in the making. And I'm, I'm wondering how uh,
1: your understanding of that changed you or changed mm-hmm. your work. Well, it was a profound learning for me. And uh, I think the greatest learning of my life that uh, a young child is a whole person and that a three-year-old is not an incomplete adult. A three-year-old is a complete three-year-old. Whole. Mm -hmm. And at that stage of life, exactly what she or he is to be. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't make uh, young children faster or more powerful like computers. Mm. You know, in fact, that's not the point, is it? The point is to treasure who they are. Mm -hmm. And you hear a lot about, uh, oh, our children are our future. Well, Mm -hmm. depends what future you're talking about. How we make them our present concern has a lot to do with the future we co create. the future that they live into. Um, But it was a great learning for me. I did not know before this learning who children were. Hmm. Uh, I had long hair and used to like to party a lot. That Mm -hmm. was in my early (laughs) years, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in my early 20s. And uh, when I was married for a time to a kindergarten teacher, she really opened my eyes to the young child and... That learning allowed me the career that uh, came, actually, mm-hmm. and it allowed me to study child development, human development, psychology, and it gave me a window to understanding my own process uh, of growth from an adolescent to an adult and the person mm-hmm. that I became.
0: My, my daughter recently started kindergarten, and we actually just pulled her out after, after two weeks because she was so um, miserable. And... The reason she was so miserable is because she was made to be so anxious because the 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 classroom was set up as a system of transactions and everything was either a bribe or a threat. So um wow. c- you know if she was good she got candy. Literally, mm-hmm. she got a skittle every time she was quiet oh my or, or stood in line. Really? Yeah. And they have an elaborate system of points with a, a grid with stickers where they get stickers oh, and a, a clip that's on there. And if the clip comes off, you're in trouble. And I have to tell you this little anecdote. It's a school-wide system where they get tickets if they're good, and then they get to put all the tickets together and get a party. She got a ticket for being good from walking down the hallway, meaning she just was walking down the hallway quietly. And because she got a ticket, her teacher gave her uh, Hershey's Kiss. For getting the ticket, she gets a candy. And she was so stressed out by this whole thing and so so anxious about whether mm-hmm. she was going to get a sticker or wasn't going to get a sticker, whether she was going to get yelled at, whether she was going to be told to be quiet. And when we went to the kindergarten teacher, she said, I, I think you're overreacting. She's fine. She does very well in class. She's very well behaved. And our mm. response was, she's well behaved, but she's unhappy. And the teacher didn't seem to see how that how how that mattered and so i i say all this to mm. ask you wow um how i know you're talking about the early years but you know kindergarten is still so early That's early yeah sure how do you think that the vision of child honoring um is relevant to to school and, and classrooms and other settings where kids are, are working together and being supervised by, by people who aren't necessarily related to them
1: Well, I'm not a teacher, so I should disqualify myself first. But Mm. but if you're asking just my sense of Mm -hmm. the classroom environment, um, you know, a teacher has uh, the responsibility of guiding the young to uh, coexist uh, in harmony. And there are uh, songs and books and play activities uh, that can feel uh, wonderful for a child, uh, inclusive. And you don't need a system of... uh, uh, overt rewards, let alone punishments—my goodness, um, that would make me anxious. That mm-hmm. would that would make me feel praised or punished with no middle, you know. Right, and, right. and the middle is is life. That's where we live. We, we're learning. We're, you know, you learn by trial and error, and that's the sandlot of the early years. And and the other thing is that what you're learning uh, is the emotional intelligence that Daniel Goldman taught us will will actually be so valuable, more, more valuable than uh, IQ. He said it's EQ that will get you promoted mm-hmm. <laughs> in a job. Yeah. So the early years are for learning what it feels like uh, to be human and to interact with others through trial and error. Like, that's how we learn everything. Yeah. We try on the world for size. So respectful love for the child, which is a child-honoring principle. And... A caring community, which is what a, a classroom can be, should, should be a place where the child is welcome uh, as uh, you know, a full participant in her or his experience. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that has nothing to do with uh, you know, permissive, uh, uh, being, being permissive or indulging, overindulgence. It is, has nothing to do with that. It's not about a child-centered world where children rule. We're not mm-hmm. talking about that. But we're talking about respect for the people as whole persons. And that is a
0: lot of times the criticism that you get when you when you advocate yeah. for this. The other criticism, especially in, in in my field where I work in after school programs and educational programs, is how do you? Everything is about measurement, and how do you mm-hmm. measure success?
1: Well, and I I would say briefly that uh, you know school should not be an efficiency exercise.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, children will not thrive in that environment. That may uh, have something to do with the teacher's needs or the system's needs, but it does not serve the child. Hmm. Learning is not about efficiency.
0: It's interesting because you said you can't make kids faster or stronger. but And I don't think that schools are trying to make kids faster or stronger, but they're trying to get them um, to, to achieve more and more and more, that it's all about achievement. And what you're proposing is, is a, seems to be more about development.
1: Development is achievement, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> it's intrinsic achievement. You're coming to understand your own process uh, of, uh, you know, the, the feelings that guide you towards your behavior and what you do. Um, you're learning how to share with one another. I have a sharing song mm-hmm. that's on my first album. <laughs> it's interesting, the lines in it says, it's mine, but you can have some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with you I want to share it. Um but it says, if you come to me and ask, I'll give some to you. So <laughs> There's some give and take there. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not a teacher. These are just comments on what I've observed over the years and what sure. I know to be true about the human condition.
0: Another related thing that uh, really struck me in your autobiography was not just um, that children are, are whole people, but that they're individuals. And you, you talked about an epiphany you had as a young musician working in the schools where you suddenly came to see children as whole individuals rather than an amorphous group. Yeah. And I'm also wondering sort of how did that affect your
1: work? Oh, it was pivotal. Uh, suddenly it was not a first grade class I was, you know, in front of. I was in front of a, a group of individuals, and I saw each one mm. for the person that they were. And it's an interesting thing, too. It's one of the paradoxes of... Uh, of childhood is that um, you can say things that are true about children as a whole, you know a generalization might mm-hmm. be true, and yet uh, childhood is full of individuals where where these whole people, these children um, each one is distinct and a, and a unique expression of uh, what it is to be human, and yet they share some traits based on their developmental. Um, awareness and so on. So both are true. You can say things about children as a whole and yet make uh, room for and acknowledge difference, which is very important.
0: And for adults, too, I think. I mean, we continue to develop, right? My my (laughs) wife often says when she sees a we have a new baby at home, Raphael. When she looks at the baby, she says, Im- imagine everyone was that little once. And when she said mm-hmm. having, having a child changed how she saw everybody because you can look mm-hmm. at someone and say, they were that little baby
1: once too and see that child mm-hmm. in them. We were that baby. In fact, we are that baby. Uh, that early explorer who we were doesn't go away. Uh, that marveling creature, that marvelous, marveling, wondering, curious human being, that doesn't go away. Your radical inquiry doesn't go away unless you shut it down. Hmm. Uh, as you grow as a person, you you keep that radical inquiry alive and you question everything, not just what your presidential candidates are throwing at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you question everything. Uh, and that's how you stay young. You... Uh, are alive with inquiry and it's beautiful could you say a little more
0: about what you mean by radical inquiry
1: yeah you you question everything yeah (laughs) um radical meaning is it's our nature it's it's our root sense you know it's how we make meaning of the world and that's Mm -hmm. why in my autobiography i said children are the most reasonable people i know because they uh, spend their days making meaning Mm. of course they have a a tremendous need to at that early stage because everything is so new uh-huh. and yet uh, for adults as well things can stay fresh and new when we are probing existence and our assumptions and our perceptions with uh-huh. uh, with terrific questions the, the poet Rilke said um, um, be patient towards all that is unresolved in your heart he said the point is to live the questions fully and you might find in doing so Along some distant day, walking in the answers. Hmm.
0: I also wanted to ask you how seeing um, children as actual whole individuals—how um, did that impact your work as a musician, working, you know, making music for young people or playing music for young
1: people? I think it, uh, you know, helped the evolution of my work. Um, I was reading a lot of child development books, and uh, I remember being so moved by. Uh, reading the works of Ida Lashan and uh, and Neil Postman and uh, uh, Alice Miller, the Jungian analyst, who talked about the need for a young child to have one person who really sees them for who they are. Mm -hmm. One person, one caregiver who really sees that child. And that is, you know, the, the the strength, the bridge of love that can allow that child to endure whatever comes her way, type of thing. So I was being very moved by what I was learning about how resilient children can be, but also about the vulnerabilities. Uh, I was learning about the uh, epidemic numbers of uh, child sexual abuse in our society. Um, but uh, you know, to answer your, your your question, I mean, I just I just kept learning about this marvelous creature. It was the child. And I kept marveling at uh, the triune brain, which is, uh, you know, evolution's gift to us, and um, you know our our understanding of fight or flight responses and our ability to overcome that primitive way of being, mm-hmm. uh, that the thoughtful resourcefulness that we've acquired through evolution, the need to engage and practice that side of ourselves, you know, to cultivate the higher. Being of what it is to be human, not just the animal who we are that we need to acknowledge, of course, mm-hmm. you know, but we we are made uh, by evolution to be uh, you know beings of wonder and and marvelous beings, and uh, that 's our full divinity as human beings, and that 's a paradox too that 's beautiful um, so along the way, I think uh, my recordings uh, evolved too uh, they became uh, a little more daring here and there. Uh, more of my own writing made it on the, the, the set list of an album. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just kept on having fun with all this. But one thing I want to say about the early years so that while it's on my mind is it's astonishing to me that during the first years of life when humans are learning, these young humans are learning the most sophisticated tasks like language acquisition and speech and so on, Mm-hmm. syntax and all that stuff, right? That play is the intelligence evolution deemed most suitable to that sophisticated learning. Hmm. The mode of being that we're in when we're little is playful. Mm-hmm. That is the predominant mode. Mm-hmm. So it's through play that we try on the world for size. I think that's hugely important, not something to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. And getting back to kindergarten, I'd like to see the playful atmosphere in that community mm-hmm. because that's who these beings are they're playful do you think that changes as as people age not if you're singing apples and bananas for a living uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but um well i think people you know contend to in the seriousness of uh, adult years can tend to forget that playfulness i mean it's something i had to learn myself too because um I was brought up uh, by uh, parents who certainly loved me dearly, but they they had a domineering way of being. And uh, ours was a fairly serious household in terms of what was expected of the children, I think, to my detriment. So I used to uh, mistake serious work as people not having fun. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> as I began to... Uh, uh, work on the uh, the children's albums with my colleagues who were primary teachers. They, mm-hmm. I noticed they they were all having a lot of fun. They were laughing among themselves. I thought too often, right? And not then, serious, yeah, not serious. Mustn't be working hard enough, right? And then I learned that no, that was their way of being relaxed and engaged in the work. Mm-hmm. So now when I'm at the dentist's office, you know, and uh, and I hear a lot of laughter, mm-hmm. I don't think to myself, "Oh, the dentist isn't serious about his work." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it that it's a happy workplace mm-hmm. and great work is being done. Mm-hmm. You
0: mentioned apples and bananas, and I'm thinking about banana phone. And for those of you who don't know the song "Banana Phone," you just look it up or buy the CD or something. But um, I'm not going to try to sing it. Um, well, you know it goes ring, 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 ring. Oh, he ring, is going to sing banana phone. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but <laughs> uh, but your music it it values children's imaginations. And that uh, song in particular, it really values the imagination and actually calls out, in a funny way, um, technology.
1: Mm-hmm. And and, sort in of, fact, it was written to do so.
0: Yeah. It sort of sends, uh, it sounds like it's making fun of technology. The M phone or, came
1: or, in, 19, in 1994, when emails were just starting to really uh, yeah. get popular and were taking over, you know, mm-hmm. everybody was talking about emails and, and computers and... And I remember also uh, attending a, the first ever critical uh, a, a conference in Berkeley of the first ever critical look at computers in education. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I uh, wrote Banana Phone to celebrate the imaginative sense that we all have and, and how wonderful imagination is in kids. Mm-hmm. And I still have a ball with that song. It really appeals, no pun intended, to, <laughs> to, to not only kids but to the adults who grew up with that song, yeah, they just seem to love it, so yeah
0: yeah and and I love it, uh but it makes me think about you know now uh what would ninety four was uh uh twenty years ago, almost mm-hmm. right, eighteen mm-hmm. years ago, yeah. eighteen years later, when technology is so ubiquitous, and with cell phones and you know smartphones and iPads and everything else um it's it's a challenge, and I, I see this as a as a as a professional who works with youth programs. But I see it much more as a parent now that I am. Um, to it's a challenge to create environments that really allow um, children's real creativity to flourish, and yeah. that um, the it's so powerful. The draw to the screen is so yes. powerful. It, it almost seems like it goes right to the brainstem. And even though you know they love going to the park and love playing, if if there's the option to watch TV or play on the iPad. Uh, that it seems te- it seems to draw them to that, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm wondering what what are your thoughts about how parents and others, how we all can can I'm not sure what can create environments where young people can actually thrive well, in their creativity. We, we
1: need to be aware that learning in the real world is what uh, benefits the child the most. So uh, the devices that help us engage with. Uh, uh, the world that we 've grown into technologically can never be confused for the real world, or else we 're in trouble mm-hmm. um, just as we grew up with electricity, always having electricity you know from a certain point on mm-hmm. uh, we're now having children who are growing up with uh, you know these uh, very amazing technological devices mm-hmm. all around them, and yet we would never confuse. Artificial light for sunlight, mm-hmm. so we must never confuse the uh, the attributes of these devices for the real life wonders and responsibilities of being human mm-hmm. and I think that's something to really stress so if I'm working with young people uh, technology you know will always you know know its place if you know what I mean mm-hmm. because it's the human. Uh, interaction that you can't replace. You can you can replace the other, it, <laughs> but it you gets, can't replace humans. It gets a little confusing
0: and and um, gray area too. Though with when when if I take a business trip and I can go on FaceTime and and talk to my daughter on the phone, and it's so absolutely not. I mean, not just on the phone, but on you know on video. You mean, you mean on Skype or on some, Skype or something? Or something like is what that. I mean? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and and so you know, in a sense, we're using the technology mm-hmm. for human interaction, that,
1: and that's all right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the way I approach technology is I I, I say I'm pro-choice. <laughs> it's not just a glib comment. Um, I I want technology that's ecologically benign. First of all, I think that Bill Gates could uh, really uh, make a, a lasting legacy to the to the earth and to future generations if he for example, were to lead an initiative that, uh, you know, greened the the whole, you know, computer technology world. Mm-hmm. I think you, Rosie deserves that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I use the technology as well and I enjoy video Skypes and so on. In fact, uh, you can save a tremendous amount of energy uh, not flying somewhere if you can have a video conversation with someone right. over Skype, for example. So there are all kinds of... Yeah, you know, uh, uh, pros and cons of of anything.
0: It's true, and and uh, you know, on the other hand, I could have suggested that we Skype for this conversation, and Mm -hmm. um, at least my experience of it would be so completely different.
1: Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Is let's just know what's different about it. Yeah, and then when we'll need to Skype, we'll do that. But when we want something more, we'll see each other face to face. And children can understand Mm -hmm. that they're they're pretty smart.
0: The other thing that the um, technology, sort of env- enveloping of technology has created is many more opportunities for advertisers to reach children. And and I know that this is something that is important to you. Um, I wanted to just um, read a little something to you. I just was reading in a publication called Monthly Review. It's called The Privatization of Consciousness, and it's by Jerry Mander. It talks about that... Uh, that $12 billion plus per year in the United States is spent in advertising targeting small children um, and tens of millions more dollars in psychological research on what gets kids to push their parents into certain buying decisions. Why is it so important to you that young people have uh, a childhood free of advertising?
1: I think a commercial free childhood is uh, the right of a child, uh, actually. Um to live in a respectful culture, predatory commerce, which uh, impacts children in the ways that you've just described with those great numbers of billions of dollars advertising to kids. That's not respectful. And it's unethical because a young child is not old enough to appraise the pitch of the ad. Mm. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. So when that situation exists, you're taking advantage of the innocence and the lack of life experience in a child by advertising directly. Mm-hmm. That is why I've never done it. I would never do it. I'm, I've also not ever done a commercial endorsement either because I don't want to sell something which isn't what my work is, You know, just because I'm known in my work. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't give me license to sell fast foods to a child. I think that um, Rosie, your five-year-old, and Raphael, your little one, uh, littler one, mm-hmm. <laughs> deserve all the protection we can give them. They deserve a society that will protect them against predators, not just uh, sick individuals that might be lurking in the neighborhood, hopefully not, but also commercial predators. There are laws in uh, the countries of Scandinavia Mm -hmm. uh, and even in the province of uh, Quebec, I shouldn't say even, and also in the province of Quebec, Uh, that say advertising to those 12 and under is uh, illegal. You can't do it. It's banned. Mm. I'd like to see that happen in the U.S., in every state, and also in Canada. Our children need to be protected from those who would commercially exploit them. It's unethical. It's wrong.
0: I feel like it's a rare uh, stance among um, celebrities who would take the stand to... Not use their celebrity to make money by selling to kids and selling to others uh, and and i and I feel like it's probably even bigger numbers than was in that article because I think, for instance, all fast food advertising is aimed at children, whether it seems mm-hmm. to be or not mm-hmm. uh, and i'm wondering do, is there have you seen any movement amongst your peers in the music industry or amongst others in in the arts and and other sort of celebrity um culture to to join you in that stance? Um,
1: I don't know. Um, I'm, I, there may be many people concerned about it more than I'm aware of. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I know that the uh, Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood, the organization headed by Susan Lynn in uh, the Boston area, does great work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that every family can be concerned about, should be concerned about, and every family... Uh, can write their elected representatives and say, "You know, our children need protection. You're not here at the behest of uh, corporate entities trying to make more money for them. You, you know, you as my, you know, as my uh, elected representative should be uh, on the side of families. This is a family value we're talking about here, mm-hmm. right? So, I'd like to see parents and uh, those who care about children everywhere." Get involved in in demanding uh, a commercial free childhood for their kids. And, I, I, and, and, and if you like, I can also tell you that recently I was I turned down a, an offer by the producers of Shrek, mm. the, the movie people, mm-hmm. to make a similar movie of Baby Beluga. And the reason I turned it down is that they would be advertising and marketing the movie to kids. Mm-hmm. They would also be making all kinds of ancillary products sold very cheaply mm-hmm. made of probably p v c plastics and I said no for those two reasons
0: was it a difficult decision or not easy at all decision no, well, easy yeah. as pie,
1: yeah, easy as pie with my values and the child honoring criteria that I bring to any decision making it wasn't even a decision i mm-hmm. I, I knew immediately <laughs> right the, now we did call them and say we have two concerns we have, we mentioned what the concerns were, and sure enough, they said. Uh, that they'd never heard anyone raise those concerns mm. before, mm-hmm. and so what I'm now calling for is the corporate social responsibility sector to come forward and you know join uh, mm-hmm. in a in a concerted effort to make a very different family film um, with different investments mm-hmm. and and uh, different uh, different marketing. We can do it. It would be a first, and of oh, baby beluga. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's exciting. It would be a first. You yeah, know, you know. Uh, yeah,
0: so that would mean that everyone that's involved makes a commitment to follow these values.
1: Yeah, and and that the return on investment isn't just monetary. Hmm. It's different. It's value added. Hmm. It's principled. It's something we can be proud of and feel good about. Hmm. Wouldn't that be wonderful?
0: It would be. Yeah. It would also be wonderful to be able to go see a movie of Baby Beluga. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, in a tweet not too long ago, uh, you said, did you know that my song, All I Really Need, was inspired by the UN's 1979 International Year of the Child? True. And I, I jotted that down when I saw it. Um, uh, first of all, because it was just interesting to me, but also because it uh, So that was 1979 International Year of the Child and now we're however many years later. I'm wondering, do you feel like uh, progress has been made? Are there sort of beacons of hope to look towards um, around children's rights and the way children are cared for and respected?
1: Yeah, uh, certainly progress has been made. Uh, The United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is a very important document, Every community should know it by heart and celebrate it at City Hall and in, and in schools and hospitals and, and at home. The three tenets of it are uh, protection, which I mentioned earlier, protection of children. Mm-hmm. Provision, which is, of course, how we nurture the young. Mm-hmm. And respectful love comes into that. Right, mm-hmm. And also, an interesting one, participation. Participation of the young as uh, important members of the community. <clears throat> participation in all aspects of life. And uh, certainly we're learning all the time from, uh, from those countries who hold the United Nations Convention to heart. Again, the uh, Scandinavian countries come to mind with their very generous parental leaves and so on. Mm-hmm. We're learning uh, what it is to, uh, for a society to get behind the articles of the Convention. Uh, no country does it perfectly, uh, and in fact, if you had a country that adhered to all the articles of the Convention on, on the Rights of the Child, that would be truly a child-honoring society. Mm. And the work of child-honoring is aligned with the UN CRC, uh, my Covenant for Honoring Children, and its nine principles uh, are, you know, in support of the United Nations Convention, and they also, I think, in a way, are are an addition to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the young child deserves special consideration when it comes to, to uh, UN conventions. Uh, the child is defined as anyone 18 or under at the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the part of it that I bring and child honoring brings uh, to it is the primacy of early years and the special consideration that the very young deserve. Mm-hmm.
0: The The fact that the song was came out of that was inspired by that all i really need which is one of my favorite songs and my daughter and i sing it together um is especially compelling and i'm wondering are you are you still making work uh that is inspired by these values and principles
1: yeah and i'm inspired by all kinds of uh you know both uh, declarations and agreements and things in daily life uh, mm-hmm. On this uh, CD that I released in 2006, a CD for adults called Resisto Dancing, mm-hmm. there are songs inspired by Nelson Mandela by the Dalai Lama. Um, there's a song inspired by the Earth Charter that came out of the Rio Conference in 1992, the, the Rio Earth Summit in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by all kinds of things to uh, to make songs that that, that share the universal love that is uh, the heart of this global human family.
0: And you also have there uh, a book that you mm-hmm. put out uh, called Child, Child Honoring How to Turn This World Around, which is also a reference to uh, one of your
1: songs. Right. Yeah, the song inspired by Mandela is called Turn This World Around. The anthology Child Honoring How to Turn This World Around uh, has contributions by 22 uh Leading thinkers, uh-huh. Fritjof Capra, Barbara Kingsolver, uh, Rianne Eisler, Joel Bakken of the Corporation movie, uh, Grassa Michelle, who is married to uh, uh, Nelson Mandela, um, a number, well, all, all kinds of thinkers. And the contributors to the anthology all echo the call of child honoring for a world that honors its young. For the many uh, immense benefits that ensue from doing so.
0: Well, Rafi, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on Please Speak Freely, and more than that, to thank you for um, the incredible work that you have done for the last few decades um, to not just to uh, help to create a society based on child honoring, but to also just bring so much joy and love to people's daily lives because the wonderful thing about music is you can play it over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And for children especially, we do. Mm. So we're, we're playing your music in my home almost daily and um, we really appreciate the, the the joy that it brings. So thank you so much.
1: Eric, thank you very much. Uh, joy is very much what this work is about. Uh, child honoring is uh, is all about the joy of uh, supporting uh, the children in our midst uh, who are uh, the joy of our lives. And I very much feel that that I work for Rosie, that she's my boss. I don't know if you should tell her that or not. But, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, we have a duty to the young, especially in these uh, you know perilous times, to fashion the best possible future for them. Thank you so much. Thank you. All I really
2: need is a song in my heart in my belly Love in my family All I really need is a song in my heart Love in my family All I really need is a song in my heart Food in my belly love in my family all I really need is a song in my heart love in my family and I need the rain to fall and I need the sun to shine to give life to the seeds we sow to give the food we a song in my heart and love in my family A song in my heart Food in my belly Love in my family All I really need Is a song in my heart Love in my family And I need some Clean water for drinking And I need some be there for So that I can grow up strong Take my place where I belong All I really need Is a song in my heart Love in my family All I really need Is a song in my heart Food in my belly Love in my family All I really need is a song in my heart Love in my family Love in my family Everybody sing love in my family love in my family Some love, love in my.